for coming this morning. How many enjoyed the singing? Ah, yeah. I looked around to see what color we was this morning for a while. It could just kept on going. If we was in a black church, we'd still be singing that chorus. Amen. Well, Brother Hoffman, good to see you this morning. Thank you for your family being in church. Can't see good out that way, so uh, appreciate everyone. I mean, it's warm enough. Are we warm enough? We don't want to turn the air conditions on, but <laughs> I heard all that good singing. I thought, Lord, I think I missed the Lord because my sermon went this way and Nate went that way. So <laughs> now that after that, you need to preach a good old Christmas evangelistic. Everybody feel good to so celebrate. And I'm putting everybody in the judgment this morning. So, so maybe we won't cross too much. But uh, actually, it's the end of the season. And I run out of Christmas sermons a long time ago. And... Uh, so this is my Christmas message to you, for me. I'm going to read some scriptures that sets the atmosphere because we have been in the day of the Lord, the wrath of God, the great tribulation, and the six seals where we're at. I believe the sixth seal actually opened in 1964, the great Alaskan earthquake. Now many will disagree with me on that, and that is all right. But I'm going to read some texts, and my title this morning is Pray for Us. It's a little different uh, scope because the Lord led me in this direction, and being pretty fixed in my thinking and direction, I wanted to stay in my direction, and the only thing He gave me was this direction over here. So when He keeps saying, doot, 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 I kind of give to it. Even though it don't seem to fit, I give to it to see if it works out, then I'm all right if it does that. So in Revelation chapter 6, 12 to 17 is our subject. And now what I'm using this for this morning is to set a time. I'm using this text this morning to set a time frame. Because we'll see that we are in this time frame today. These scriptures are speaking to us. They are warning us. And especially the context is to the local assembly, the body, 
because in this hour, everyone outside of the revealed Word of God, according to the message of this hour, will fall away from the truth. We understand that the teaching all through the age was that when you left the Word or you had false teaching, it is absolutely in the spiritual realm, spiritual adultery or spiritual fornication. The thing that we don't understand about that is that it will manifest itself in the flesh. Especially we're concerned about it, not only in the laity, which we see it abounding in the churches. We see it in the ministry. When it transpires in the ministry, it is basically a, a mark, a deception, a problem, a cloud comes upon the whole congregation. Because if you sit under a ministry, being born again, you would have enough discernment to recognize whether you're hearing the true doctrine or not. If you do not know whether you're hearing the true doctrine or not, you wouldn't know whether the preacher was preaching you the truth or not. So if you're faithfully led by a minister that you have confidence in and the devil gets in and causes him to fail, then every person in here will have to question their experience and walk with God. We don't want that to happen. So what we're going to look at this morning is basically a warning to us that we have to pray for the ministry because if he fails, we're all in trouble. We're going to set the condition of the sixth seal and that's what we're atmosphere we're under now. We're under the darkest cloud and the most subtle deceptive spirit since the creation of man. The two spirits are so close, the Bible said that it would deceive the very elect if possible. And today that's true, not because they are super holy, it's because the whole group are lukewarm and closer to the world than they are to the Word of God. I can remember 30 years ago, you could tell a message person from any other person. Now you can't hardly tell a message person from any other person. Even though they understand that they are walking in the truth and they have a special insight, you cannot tell by the physical manifestation of their revelation. So something has decreased because as the world gets darker, we find a tendency this gets a little shadowed. We don't go holier and holier and holy. We're pulled by the gravitation and the spirit of the age. And there's a limit there that we say we won't pass, but many times we pass it and don't even know it. Are we walking in the light? Are we ready for the rapture? Well, that's the message in Revelation of this hour. Behold, I, uh, when he had opened the sixth seal, the sixth seal is opened. The sixth seal is revealed. It is in its manifestation in stages, but the great manifestation of the tribulation or the wrath of God which part we're speaking of is not manifested as yet. It opened with a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood. We know that speaks of revelation, and we know it speaks of the condition of the church, although it speaks of a natural condition which it can only exist by atomic fire or volcanic ash. So we're looking at a destruction. We're looking at a time period of judgment. We're looking at who we are, where we are this morning. The stars of heaven fell unto the earth. That is ministry. That sons of God are represented as believers. 
even as a fig tree casts her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. When the heaven departed as a scroll, it was rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Brother Branham said, basically, every island, even towns, what they're more, shook out of their places, and it's out of, uh, the earth went out of its axis so many degrees. The kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man, hid themselves in the dens, and in the rocks of the mountains. I don't think God is too concerned about the hypocrites and the serpent seed out there. I think he's talking about the church and his people and believers and make believers. So all of this symbolic language you're speaking about those who are professing to be walking in the truth and believing Christianity. And this is a condition that God sees them in spiritually. There's a condition at the opening of the sixth seal where something happens spiritually first. It causes men to react and begin to move in their thinking and their desires. And it's manifested here in words and symbolism. And he said, And the mountains and rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. We found at the opening of the seals that the Lamb, Jesus, the Son of God, climbed upon the Father's throne and sat down. I personally believe that we could look at that as 2,000 years ago. That the Lamb took the book and opened the seals because the first horse rider went forth and the Holy Spirit come and left, come down here to put all things under his feet. So you can look at it in a twofold manner, but this process of taking has taken place and is taking place, and we're now under the fourth seal with the sixth seal opened. So who is sitting on the throne? The Lamb of God, Jesus, the Son of God, the physical, literal body sits on the throne of God. That places God Himself here with the church on earth because he revealed himself through a human vessel we call Revelation 10:7 the earthly angel. So the perusia or the presence of God is here. Only the very elected will, he, will accept it and have a revelation of it and hold to it. Holding to it is the problem. So many confess that they see it, many confess with it for a while and then they begin to waver and compromise and pretty soon that we find ourselves in the trouble that we're in. Hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne. The wrath of the Lamb to me is greater than the tribulation period or the wrath of God. But at the end when both the wrath of the Lamb and the wrath of God are poured out together. Then we find that we have the, uh, the great ending or the purging of the earth. The fulfilling of the sixth sea of watch. For the great day of his wrath is come. I believe that we are now way in the process of the day of the Lord. And the day of the Lord is that the God himself is here to fulfill a promise. Paul says in Hebrews 13, 7 to 18, where we want to take our text this morning. Here is the hard part for the laity. Don't never forget that we're in this process together. Kill the head, the body will fall. Obey them that have the rule over you. Boy, does and preachers love to read that. And submit yourselves. Congregation hates to hear that. For they watch for your souls. I don't like that. As they that must give an account. God help me. Do you mean I've got to face the scripture that I've got to give an account for you? 
that they may do, do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Paul said, pray for us. Now, that's what we want to look at this morning. Pray for us. For we trust we have a good conscience and all things willing to live honestly. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for your presence today. We thank you for your leadership, for every soul that you've gathered together in this place. May you take the preeminence in our hearts and minds and put your word into our mouth. And may our hearts be receptive to your word. We thank you for all things through Jesus Christ our Lord. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. What I use this text for, that's where we're at in our study. But I use this text to absolutely show us the time frame that I'm looking at. That we are under the sixth seal where the church is purged and everything is purged. And everything that is not under the seventh seal or under the token will be purged out. Will be purged, kept away from the resurrection and the rapture. I can already feel the spirit went down. We're going to sing that chorus at the end of the service again. This should cause us to rejoice, not to be depressed. If this is the case, then we would have to agree that Revelation 10, 7 the seventh angel that was to reveal the mystery of Revelation 10, 1 through 7. This one that comes down from heaven that raised his hand with an open book and said, Time shall be no longer delayed. If time shall no be longer no delayed, which is the man's hour, then we're in the day of the Lord. And we have been there for a process of few years running through this process. And remember, this process brings us a promise. This is all about a promise that's been revealed to the church. This, therefore, there would have to be after the prophet has delivered his message. Because we believe that he has delivered his message and he has been taken off the scene. But we also had a promise by that messenger that the one that was here using his body, speaking through his lips, that was actually saving the people, healing the people, and revealing himself, the Holy Spirit, that he would increase to us by the reality and the materialization of the spoken word. In other words, we would hear the word and the word would become so clear by hearing that we could actually see it. God is a spirit. We cannot see God by our natural eye. But I believe that we can see God by the spiritual eye as he reveals himself through physical flesh. And we've had a perfect example of Jesus in this hour through the prophet of which many make him and put him in a position that God didn't put him in. They put Jesus in a position that God didn't put him in. Well, Jesus is God. Jesus was the tabernacle of God and God was revealing himself through the person of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. But he also said the Father was invisible and the Spirit that you couldn't see. So what you're seeing is the Spirit manifested. That if God was a, absolutely a physical human man, he would act and do exactly what I'm doing. So when you see a physical expression of a Spirit, 
then you're absolutely seeing God manifested in the flesh. Now, this is what we're talking about our subject, the Word made flesh, and I'm looking at the body of Christ, you and I today, as the bride, which is the Word made flesh, which absolutely reflects the S-O-N, the Word of God. We are to reflect something, and we are reflecting something. You, through your physical bodies, reflect the spirit that is motivating you. Amen. So this being after the prophet has left the scene, there is promised a spirit that would come upon the church to fulfill 2 Peter 3, 4. The prophet brings us out in future home when he takes us past the rapture. He brings us right here to this scripture and warns us that this is going to take place and for us to be on guard that we will not be deceived by the drifting away from the revelation of the presence of God. Second Peter 3, 4 tells us, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which to stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Our ministry today is, we do not have a message of our own. I do not have a private revelation. I am not pointing you to a special understanding. I am pointing you to a message that I believe that God vindicated to be the truth through His mouthpiece, the prophet of this hour. It is God's message, God's revelation of Himself. He is the messenger, He is still the Spirit, and He is still the voice of the fivefold ministry. Without a fivefold ministry today, we're going to get in trouble. With a false fivefold ministry, we are in trouble. But uh, basically that seed and gene inside of us should be able to discern the difference. Now watch. That ye be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. And of the commandment of us the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first. That there shall come in the last days. Scoffers. I looked up this morning, scoffers, scoffers are those who voice disagreement and stand against all who stand against his idea or the way of doing things. My way or the highway. You see it this way, you do it this way, or you're not in the bride. I don't think we have a man on earth today that can tell us, do it this way, sit this way, or if you don't do this, you're not in the bride. Because I find some mighty things that I thought, well, today we'd call that person unsaved. And according to the Bible, David was a man after God's own heart. Moses was a prophet, and on and on and on and on. And they done things that we done it today that would be cast out. So I've come to the understanding that no one actually knows who is elected and who is not. You say, well, I can get a pretty good idea, but your ideas will always get you in trouble if you judge wrong. So we are warned to reserve our judgment and to work out our own salvation and place our own soul through the filter and understand that none of us are going to make it outside of the grace and predestination of God. Because there's not 50 cents worth of material value of any of us. But if that soul did come from God, it is eternal, it is life, and it's more precious than fine gold. The Bible said in the last day, uh, is there a man, uh, a goal for a man? In other words, 
man would be worth more than any gold. That man would have to be a son of God to have any value at all. So he's saying now scoffers will come in the last days. Now this is after the opening of the seals in the sixth uh, seal, in the day of purging, after the prophet leaves, message drifts off, scoffers are going to come, not outsiders. It will be out there. Everybody wants to point outsiders. I remember back, back in the early 60s and 70s, there was not too many people outside of the message that spoke any evil or anything negative towards Brother Adam. You could go back and almost Billy Graham or all these preachers back there, they would say, oh, he had a great ministry. There's no more and more humble, uh, on and on. They always, always had a great testimony about Brother Branham. All Roberts, every one of them. Now then, you can't go online and find anybody that's got anything good to say about him. Even the same ones that spoke highly of him 30 years ago. It's calling him everything except a witch doctor. And I've even read that. From a false prophet to whatever more. Soothsayer, sorcerer, whatever more. And even those that have followed him for years are now saying those things. All oh, the prophet's a liar. He didn't tell the truth. This didn't happen. That didn't happen. On and on and on. Something happened to that individual. There's some spirit that got in there somewhere. Because you can't sit for 10 or 15 or 20 years, walk in holiness, worship together, believe Brother Branham's a prophet, listen to the tapes, enjoy each other, and all of a sudden get a little colder and a little colder and become so negative that you reject everything about the message. Now, something has happened inside. Now, their church still may look holy outside. They may still have the picture on the wall here. They may still have a picture over here. They may still have all the outward symbolism. But something has happened on the inside that they themselves are not even aware of. And I believe it is because they begin to leave the doctrine as the prophet taught it. I've taught you all along and I've said for 25 or 30 years now, I teach doctrine because doctrine is the only thing that's going to hold you through this filtering time of purging. Anything outside of true doctrine will be purged out. You say, well, we need this, we need that. You need doctrine. Well, doctrine is not emotional. Doctrine doesn't make me feel good. Doctrine hurts my feelings. Doctrine doesn't. Doctrine makes you sound in the faith. It's the only thing that will save your soul is the true teaching of the Word of God. Watch. He said, now these scoffers now will begin to walk after their own lust. Lust means to desires. It could be sexual. But most of the time it doesn't show up sexual for a long time. It is ambitions, desires. Every desire comes from a spirit. Every desire comes from a spirit. Why would men behind the pulpit, why do they fall in sin? There has to be a spirit there. And it didn't come overnight. So you didn't wake up five minutes and here you're gone and off and oh, I woke up and didn't know it. It had to be there. Unconsciously there. Where did it start from? Right out of the mouth. 
for the first time that you turn down the revealed word, it starts. You may be able to hang over 10 years, but it will eventually catch a hold of you. Walking after their own desires, their own lusts, their own ideas, and their own understanding of what the prophet said. I'll put that in there. Watch. And what will they be saying? Where is the promise of his perusia or his coming? Actually, it's where is the promise of his literal presence? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning. Then he goes on into the uh, world being destroyed by water, which speaks that in the time of judgment, bring me right back to the sixth seal, there's going to be a spirit moved through the end time church where they're going to question the revival that called them out, gathered them together in the presence of God for the literal body change and the catching away. God come down here to fulfill a promise. And that promise is we shall not all sleep. But we shall all be changed. There's going to be a transformation of our natural body by the renewing of the mind. I got a later on in this text where we looked at where Paul said, uh, That day shall not come lest there be a great falling away. I told my wife this morning, falling away from what? Or you said, well, the church is falling away. No, no, no. He's not talking about the church world out there falling away. How can you, what can you fall away until something has been revealed? Something has been made manifest. Something is complete. It's been identified for you. It's been vindicated before you. You believe it and see it and then begin to fall away from it. I can remember when I first come into the message. Some churches had tape measures on the door measuring the women's skirts. Deacons walked up and down the line. I remember down at Harding Means, they'd walk up and down the aisles and peck you on what more and what more. They, they was military. They were, oh, they, oh, church order, church order. Now you can't even find men to be a deacon. Something's happened. The problem and the point that I'm making is something happened. Because any time that you turn down a doctrine, a revelation, something automatically begins to take place. Why did Brother Branham keep going through the church ages? Uh, Luther, Wesley, more light, more light. How many knows that when uh, Wesley come across, preached his message of sanctification, the Lutherans here that was all right when Luther preached and believed it as true believers, when Wesley come, none of these right here now was, was accepted anymore. You say, well, I went to the Lutheran church. After Wesley come? No, no, you got to go to the Wesleyan church. Why? Because there's where light is. Lights left this and went to this. Now, is the true teaching of justification, is it gone? No, it brought it right on up here to this. Now you're sanctified. When he moved up to Pentecostals, everyone here that organized, it was over, done. You couldn't stay in the Nazarene church under holiness, no matter how clean you live, and make it because the light kept moving on. Until we come to the wise and foolish virgins. The oil went out. Did, the oil, did they use the oil? Or did the oil go out in the word that they had? You're not going to waste your oil. You're not going to throw the oil away. You're going to burn it out. Pentecostals burnt out. Way back there many years ago, because Brother Brown said the Pentecostal age was over, 
Thus saith the Lord, 1964, but the Pentecostals said, no, 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 we can keep doing the same thing. We got men out here doing so and so and so and so, and they died. Are you telling me that the Pentecostals, there's no salvation in the Pentecostal mission? No. Well, they go to a good united church. They're holding what more? Do they have the Holy Ghost? No. Because why? Because the Holy Ghost moved on up here. Now it's the token himself. You've got to walk in the light as he is in the light. And the light is here. And we have to understand that by the word. Follow the word. Follow the picture. And you'll be able to see God. And see him talk to you right out of these scriptures and through the message. You say, well, I can read the Bible. Yes, you can read the Bible. But if you don't interpret it in the light of the hour, you're reading the Bible wrong. But if you read, oh, I got the quotes over here. I know what Brother Brown said. Without the Bible, you still got it wrong. So we need some help to put both of them together and stay under the seventh seal, which is rest, consolation, and knowing that we know. There's rest underneath the seventh seal. That rest is knowing that you know. Where is the promise of his coming? So we know now who is saying this. Well, you might say, well, the congregation is rumbling. Where's the miracles? Where's the healing? Where's this? Where's the revival? No, no, no. Here he's talking about the ministry. The ministry is saying, where is the promise of his perusia? Where is the promise of the appearing? Where is the promise of Brother Branham's message? Brother Branham said he was here. He said the works that he did, we can do the same thing. He said it'll get greater and greater. The third pull is going to get more and more. Oh, it's going to be so supernatural, so wonderful, so great, so so. All right, where is it? Where is it? Back to Pentecost, back to Pentecost, back to Pentecost. After six months and nobody got back to Pentecost. Where is the promise of his appearing? In other words, what they're saying is, where is the revelation of the rapture? What's the message of this hour? Not God sent a prophet 50-something years ago. The message of this hour is the rapture. Let me please that. If you understand anything on the agenda, outside of the resurrection and my body being changed, then I, I need to catch up or get behind or something else because only thing I see left for us as believers is the transformation of our bodies by the one that is present here by thus saith the Lord. Where is the revelation of the rapture? That's what they're saying. How many, uh, well, a lot of you young people don't understand, but we begin to preach this in the last, early 80s and whatever more, the uh, Son of Man and the rapture of the appearing, especially when we call the appearing the perusia of the presence that the Bible uses. All the great leaders that I know begin to speak evil of that perusia doctrine. Oh, Brother Gregory preached that perusia doctrine. Perusia, perusia, perusia doctrine. They can't even pronounce it right. I can't either, but they can't either. That's when they died. That's when they died. And it's showing up. And it will show up more. Until we'll reach the point 
Now, this is the subject of my lesson this morning. Brother Branham said, Brother Lee asked, how many fivefold ministers will there be at the end time? He raised his hand just like that. So that means one of each to me. Which puts it pretty slim. Which puts you in a straitjacket. Which makes you nervous. Which makes you stay awake at night. Which makes you examine your own ministry, your own thoughts, and your own desires. And I believe that's what it's intended to do. Because if a man thinks he has the capability in himself to lead a congregation of people, and to teach them right, keep them straight, keep them this, keep them that, that man is lying to himself. There's no man that can keep you. Only God can keep you in the way of the Word of God. And a congregation of people praying for the ministry, which is absolutely praying that He will preach the Word of God to you and skin you when you need to be skinned, pat you on the back when you need to be patted, lift you up when you need to be, or set you down when you need to be. If that's not your prayer, something wrong with our praying. In other words, we need to understand that God has a way of doing things, that He holds everybody responsible. So if you're going about your way, doing your own thing, whatever more, I'm responsible. And if I don't do my responsibility to try to get you back in line, God deals with me. And pretty soon I get tired of God dealing with me. And I say, they're not mine, they're yours. He said, no, you're responsible. I said, I'm not responsible. Like Moses, I'll give them back and forth. And the people say, well, it's the preacher's fault. And we have a problem. So what we're looking at is modern time or present tense condition. This is, set, this is our, this is us right here. This is our problem. This is where we're at. And we can make it on and on and on. It's so dark out there. I think the whole world's gone insane. You can start down the list. Look at the homosexuality. Look at our politics. Have you ever seen anything more insane than our politics? There's war, every country's in war, every country's killing themselves. They're killing them by the tens of thousands, people starving to death. There's, play, there's everything that you can imagine going on in the world. I can sit here and make my own self depressed about how bad things are. And I could depress you about how things bad are. But remember, we seem to have it pretty good. So don't, don't shake my little bubble. Because I'm not in trouble, I'm not starving to death, I'm not cold, I'm not dead. Don't shake my little bubble here, we're alright, we've got a little church here, we're doing pretty good. Don't shake the bubble, don't cause me to think about it and be depressed, make me feel good. I need to not be depressed about it, don't. You can't hide from this thing. Because if we begin to examine ourselves, it's right among us. So when we speak about present tense, in our text we've seen a great earthquake, which we spoke of that. Sun became black, moon became blood. Which spiritually speaking to me speaks of the word and the condition of the church. Now we can go into the natural part of that, which Brother Bram said it was atomic conditions and dust and whatever more. Watch. Stars from heaven fell into the earth. When the opening of the six seals, it says stars fell. Was that Ern Baxter? Was that Oral Roberts? All your Pentecostal? They fell. Remember when Brother Bram's in the ministers meeting, what, three or four hundred preachers? God showed him a vision who would be there and what they would say. 
Show them vision. What one in the motel room? We're going to question him on water baptism. He walks out, and the man was sitting in the exact place. He said, God told me this man sitting here, so and so. And what you come here for this morning was to challenge me on my teaching of water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my authority to say that you must be rebaptized or you're not baptized at all. And you're going to challenge me this morning. Now, anyone that can take the Bible, come up here and challenge me. He said, not one rose up and not every one of them got up, slowly closed their Bible, and they left the convention. Every one of those preachers fell. They were gone. They went back and preached to the congregation. The congregation grew by the thousands. And everyone they preached to and was baptized incorrectly, they baptized them into deception. You must be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the mission of your sins. If you haven't been baptized correctly, you must be rebaptized. And there's no need going to the water unless you have a revelation of the Godhead because water baptism shows you have a revelation of the Godhead. Jesus is not God per se. Jesus was the only begotten Son of God. Every sermon this morning, the preacher is going to be preaching a Christmas message, how the child was born of a virgin, what more, and then call him God. Are you telling me that God was born and that God was trapped in a small body, couldn't even talk? If I was a devil, I would have killed him right there. Then I'd have took care of God. No, 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 no. Don't you understand that God is the Word? God is a creator. And we needed a perfect substitute, a perfect blood to redeem us from our sin. Our sin in the garden. That's the reason he had come through woman without sex. Because he had to have sinless blood. That blood cell, both male and female part of that conception was created. He was a special, unique creation of God. Called the only begotten son of God. Only begotten. He is one of a kind. Unique. He was so uniquely built that God himself could come down without any reservation and take a boat up in his body and use his lips, his mind, his whole being, five senses, and tell you when you see me, you have seen the Father. And I'm telling you that he said this fivefold ministry in a body will rise up till we become one with the Word, one flesh, bone of his bone, until when you can say, when you see me, you see the Father. The Word has become flesh. Amen. Revelation 12, 4 tells us that he drew his tail, drew, his, Brother Ben said T-A-L-E, drew the third part of the stars of heaven. That's sons of God now. And did cast them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. These referred to evil spirits, fallen angels, fallen sons of God. They were cast down with Lucifer and it would absolutely speak of Matthew 24, 24, the false anointed ones in this hour. Every one of us, whether we understand it or not, has had the Holy Spirit poured out upon us. 
as almost everyone under Christianity has some form of that outpouring, some form of religion. They either went to the Baptist, the Methodist, the Pentecostal, whatever. Everyone basically has some form of that outpouring. We see a picture in Isaiah 13. Watch. How ye for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. There's your sixth seal. This is our time frame. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt. And they shall be afraid. Pains and sorrows shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Now that's the result of an atomic bomb basically disintegrating you before you even it disintegrates you as you stand in there. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellation thereof shall not give their light. Naturally speaking, that would be because of the conditions of the atmosphere, the atomic dust and things like that. The sun shall be darkened, watch, in his going forward. Now we're speaking of the S-O-N or the S-U-N, the word of God, son, S-O-N. The revealing of the son of man going from the east to the west. Now it's back to the east again. The sun shall be darkened. In other words, the word is going to be darkened out. As it goes all the way to the west coast, it's going to be darkened out. When the angel appeared on the wall of the Branham Tabernacle, he darkened out this last age, total darkness. There's no light out there. You say, well, look at how big these churches. That, the bigger the parking lot, the more darkness is there. The sun shall be darkened in his going forth. The moon shall not cause her light to shine. That's the church. If the word is shut out, we can't reflect the word if it's the word is shut out. Because the moon only reflects the, the reflection of the sun. The bride can only reflect the groom. If true doctrine has been shut out, you cannot reflect word over here in a bride if word hadn't been fed to your soul. How many understands now? If you eat donuts, guess what you're going to reflect? High blood pressure, high cholesterol countings, overweight. See how nice. Taking the example, follow your leaders. <laughs> Lose 100 pounds. It's not easy. It's not easy to keep it off either. <laughs> this reflects something. I will punish the evil and their wicked and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogance of the proud to cease and will lay low the haltiness of the terrible. Second Thessalonians, that let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. I'm looking at the falling away of the message of this hour that was delivered by Malachi 4. I have not seen many ministers that understands the true teaching of the message that Brother Branham brought. I see many churches that preach legalism. Nicolaitan preachers has a form of godliness. But when you ask them about their revelation, they know nothing about it. If the opening of the seals is symbolism, white horse, black horse, if the seals 
Revelation was to literally turn your heart back to a revelation. And you say, well, I'm in the message. My heart's been turned back. I believe. I'll not believe. Then tell me about the seven seals. Then. Just tell me about them. What can literally turn your heart back that you don't know anything about? Well, Brother Gregory, are we supposed to know what that seal is and that seal is and that seal is? Well, most of us now that's been in the mess 30, 40 years should have a pretty good idea what the white horse was, black horse was, and brought up to history that we're standing today in the sixth seal, in the presence of God, shut in, sealed in, under the atonement, under the Feast of Tabernacles, fully dressed, fully redeemed, fully justified, fully revealed that we are predestinated, understand no sin is laid to your charge, that we was predestinated before the foundation of the world. And now we know that. That should not bring depression. That should bring rejoicing because of our salvation. And our salvation is, does not depend on all of the things of the Nicolaitan. It depends on the revelation of the rapture of who you are in Christ. There's nothing that you've done to save yourself. And basically, there's nothing you can do to keep yourself in that predestinated grace. I, could, I went for years and years and years and years. And uh, I'll be honest with you, the perfection I still don't understand is to understand the grace and the love of God. Don't quite grasp it. But I, underst- I come to understand one thing, that this new covenant of predestination was grace to me. That being elected, and therefore by being elected, God took responsibility to make sure I heard the word about himself. And he took the responsibility to unveil himself to me. That I can make the choice of whether I wanted to be married to him or not. Then come to find out I really didn't have a choice to be married to him or not. He revealed to me that we was always married in the first place. And I said, glory to God. Hallelujah. Even spoke in tongues. Didn't know what I said, but I spoke in tongues anyway. And I'm still rejoicing on it. Praise God. What are they falling away from? You say, oh, that was back in the dark ages. You know, Paul, they fell away, left their first love. Oh, they went into their... I'm not worried about church history. I'm worried about this end time group today. I've I got to preach to you and I today under these conditions. And this is the worst conditions for a minister to preach to a group of people that has ever existed in the history of man. Because things are fixed. They are crystallized. We'll find out if we want to do something... We probably couldn't do what we want to do. Oh, we're going to do this. Yeah, we may start. We'll find out that most people can't do nothing. We wait. We're sitting here patiently trusting God, loving the word, and waiting. Now let's get to our subject this morning. With these conditions in mind, this is more pertaining to you and us uh, this morning and those in Canada watching through 
live stream, those that are sitting at home that should be in church, viewing the message, I appreciate you tuning in. I really do. I appreciate your offerings. I appreciate your financial supports. I appreciate that. But according to this word of God, you should be sitting together with believers. Forsake not the assembling of yourself together with believers. Oh, Brother Gregory, I've been tuning in for the last 15 years. Yes, I know, but you haven't been in church. You haven't assembled yourself together with believers. Oh, yeah, me and my husband sits here and, and watches every Sunday morning. Yeah, drinking coffee and your bathrobe and whatever more. If you're going to watch a service at home, at least drink your coffee before the service comes on. Put on some clothes and sit there respectfully and watch and listen. Well, what business have you got to tell me how I got addressed? And I'm just watching it here on the screen. They don't privacy in my own house. I can do what I want. This sermon is for you. Paul says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. Now, that's very serious, I think. As they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy, not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Pray for us. For we trust that we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. That pray for us stands out to me. First, what is prayer? I'll give you a list there. What is prayer? Prayer is someone in need. It's coming to someone that can supply the need. What do you go to God in prayer for? You got a need, and you're going to somebody that you can't think they can supply the need. It is a petition. Prayer is a petition. Our prayer is more petition than anything. God, give me this, give me that, give me this. I need this, I need that. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'll see you later. Prayer is actually someone asking for something. How do you know? Well, I've been asking God to send me a buyer for my house for the last two months. I know about all about this praying for asking for something. He sent me a buyer. Daniel's prayer come through back there. He sent me a buyer, but Daniel quit praying. The buyer jumped off. I said, Daniel, quit praying. Praise God. Keep praying until I get the money in my hand, would you? Prayer intercedes for someone. Prayer speaks of, number one, this is it. Prayer speaks of self-judgment. Self-judgment. The prophet tells us the main reason many prayers are not answered is there is no self-judgment in the one doing the praying. How many times do we pray in our prayer closets? We put our petitions before God. We put our desires before God. We put our problems before God. And we ask Him to heal my body. Do this one more. Do this and do this one more. Uh, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. Get up and go. Without any self-judgment. How many know self-judgment is basically the hardest thing you can do? Because when I look in the mirror, I think I look great. I walk up to the counter and I said, I don't have to ask that you need an old man's discount. I look good to some, look bad to others. But to me, I look pretty good. You know why? Because I still see myself just like I want to see myself. And most of you see yourself as you want to see yourself. Don't get me wrong now. Everyone was human. We always view ourselves in the light of looking at someone else. 
I'm not too bad because of look. I'm pretty good shape because look what they're doing. Don't do that. You're only making yourself worse. Go before God in prayer and self-examine and self-judge yourself. Lord, I got this little thing here that I get like, kind of lose it too quick. I'm a little antsy with my wife. I'm a little impatient. I'm a little this. I'm a little that. I'll hold out of that other. And praise God, if you can take a whole dose of that out of me, I'd appreciate it. If you take that rock out and fill it with the Holy Ghost, I'd sure love that to do that. And I'd be a pretty good guy if you just take all the bad out of me and put all the good in me. He said, okay, I'll take the bad out. Here it is. And when he starts pulling that teeth out by the root, the pain starts in, the problem stops in, the devil starts working on you. Oh, I think we're in pretty good shape, Lord. I'll work on that next week. Prayer is to ask questions or to point out what your needs are before God. Let me ask God's questions. This is for ministers. Ministers should be asking God a lot of questions. I don't mean question God now. Ask God questions. What should I do in this light? How should I approach this problem? What advice should I give in this situation? What should I do about this? Should I wait, Lord, or should I do this? And it's a funny thing that hardly ever you hear him tell you what to do. So you get up and trust your instincts and trust that he'll work it out right. Now, in all of the prayer, and it is proper to ask someone to pray for you. We still believe in coming in and laying hands on the sick and those things. It's all right to ask someone to pray for you. But let me be honest with you. No one can be as sincere, as earnest, put a much work in it, emotions in it, being more involved in it than praying for yourself. When I'm hurting, I feel it more than you do. If I say, boy, I'm really hurting, pray for me. You say, okay, I'll pray. I'll remember you in prayer. I don't need you remembering prayer. I need, I need relief now. See, I want you to feel what I'm feeling. If you feel what I feel, you wouldn't wait today after tomorrow. Uh, yes, Lord, remember Brother Gregory. He asked me to pray. I forgot about that. Remember Brother Gregory uh, if you have an opportunity. No, you're praying constantly, consistently. So I've got more, what would you say? I've got more in the deal, more involved in it than anyone else has. Paul said, pray for us. And he points out that there's an obligation of Christians. Now, here's the point that you don't like. There's an obligation of Christians, and there's an obligation to those who minister to them in spiritual things. You have an obligation. I have an obligation. The question is, why? Why would I be obligated to you? Or why would you be obligated to pray for me? If you sit in an assembly and you are a born-again believer, you have an obligation to pray for the minister. If I stand behind this pulpit to feed you the words of God and the words of life, I have an obligation for your soul. And my obligation is to make sure I feed you 
the revealed Word of God, pure, without error. Every dot, every tittle has to be according to thus saith the Lord. We can't put any leaven in it, period, or you're in trouble. And these young men around the world jump up and listen to one tape. I'm called to preach. Hallelujah. I want to preach. I want to preach. That's fine. And don't even understand the doctrines. Don't even understand the message. Don't even understand the obligation. What more? They just got some desire to get up in front of people. Oh, my. I don't see why. I don't believe there's a true five-fold minister called anywhere that has a desire to preach, period. I've quit a thousand times. Every Monday morning I used to quit. Still going. Why should we be obligated to pray for the ministry? Because most people say, well, I thought the ministry was obligated was to pray for me. How many believes the preacher should pray for you? How many believes that the preacher should go to the prayer closet at least once a day and, and, and pray and, and read his Bible? Come on, be honest with me. Come on now. How many knows that a minister should read his Bible and pray every day? How many knows that every believer should read his Bible and pray every day? So what's good for the goose is good for the gander. So I can't tell you to read your Bible and pray every day. And I don't read my Bible and pray every day. I spent all week out in the turkey field. And you spent all week working and reading your Bible and praying every day. And I wonder why I got problems. Come on, church. I got a responsibility. You have a responsibility. We want to have true fellowship. We want to relieve the problems in the church. We want the supernatural among us exactly as the message taught. Then you pray for me and I pray for you. That's how we get it. He said uh, in verse 17, what you made makes a reference. Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch out for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So the number one reason I see here that you should pray for the ministry is because they watch for your soul. Boy, that's serious, isn't it? You just think of this. What, just think of what I'm saying. You mean God holds obligate man to be responsible for another man's soul? I thought was this up here taking time, taking them off and living good. Hallelujah. Heaven's going to be one of these days. This is serious business. This is sober. This is solemn. But in that soberness and humility, there's a joy down here. There's a reality. It removes the fear. There's something that's stable in here. That's what we're trying to get to. Notice they have rule over you. And we understand that that rule is not how most preachers take it. That rule is by staying with the word. And today we call it the revealed message of the hour. Not one word off. That's how they rule over you. Because if I preach to you the true word of God. And I preach to you true doctrine. Then it's your responsibility. Because I've given you what you need to correct your problem and to live by. 
I can't make you live it and I'm going, not going to. I tried, but I can't do that. That's the reason the last few years they said, well, Brother Gregory Back said he don't beat us no more. He don't preach on this no more. He don't skin us down for this no more. Boy, we used to have Wednesday night classes where he, oh, just everything was going to hell. No, no, we changed seasons. I honestly believe the bride is sealed in. Reason number two. Because this minister's got to give an account. And you will give an account. Paul tells the ministry comes under this responsibility. Most of us don't like the idea of someone watching over my soul. And they do that because they misread. I put it in there, misread 1 Peter 4.19, which says, everybody still with me so far? <laughs> Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. Therefore, those that suffer according to the will of God, commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing. That's committing their souls to God now. As a faithful creator. Now, people will say, I have committed my soul to God. I don't need nobody to watch over my soul. Who do you think you are going to watch over my soul? I'll watch over my own soul and God will watch over my soul. Then they're absolutely pitting one scripture against the other. For we know that every man must give an account to God for the deeds done in his body. But God has said in the body, according to the end time ministry, we may not have knew this for 2,000 years, but he set a responsibility to the fivefold ministry in this hour that there is someone in this body that after he has restored the revealed word of God, made himself known, that has absolutely appeared among us, give you the revelation of the rapture, he sets in the body those that will watch over the flock to make sure that revelation is contained until he brings everyone into perfection. So if you come in 20 years ago, you sit here and patiently work and work and work until this little one over here gets 15 years old so they can get in too. Well, I'm sitting here just waiting, waiting, waiting. Well, thank God you've been waiting, waiting, waiting. Character comes by patience, waiting. If you do not think that there's someone that is responsible for your soul and your actions as a Christian, what you do in church and out of church, then you're absolutely wrong. I am accountable. So is every fivefold ministry for your soul, whether you or I, especially I, like it or not. Now we can sing jingle bells and go home, or we can sing thank you, Jesus, for teaching me this morning. I am talking about life and death. I'm talking about an event that's not 100 years down the road. I'm talking about something that's going to face us very shortly. If you will watch the conditions of the earth, and that's what we've got to watch now. Watch Israel, watch this, watch the politics. It wouldn't surprise me. You say, well, well, we've got to have a woman president. We've got plenty of time. I think I'll go fishing. Oh, we've got to have this. I think I'll do that. Oh, we've got to have this. I think I'm going to do that. You know how quick it could come upon you? In one year from now, we'll have an election. Ah, oh, well, Trump's going to get in. Hallelujah. Look how great it is for Trump. Oh, it's how wonderful. Ah, if there's another election, I sure hope he wins it. 
But what if, say Biden, gets run in, and at the convention, he introduces his running mate, Hillary. Now then, he's got every minority vote. He's got the black vote, he's got that vote, this vote, that vote, that vote, that vote, and that vote, and they will win. And three months after they get in office, you'll find out that Biden's got something wrong with his brain, a brain tumor, and has to step down. And guess who your president is? Ah, oh, that'll never happen. Don't shut God out. Things can happen faster than you can turn around. And guess how long it will take after they take over? I say, maybe, maybe it won't be six months a year. I'll be in glory. We'll be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. No man can save your soul. No man can keep your soul. Jesus alone can do that. But the soul life you're living that God has given while we are tabernacled in these bodies, the fivefold ministry are to help in training, and they train by teaching the revealed word to maintain that soul life. Pray for us. Why? Should we pray for you? Because it is difficult for preachers to give an account to God for people. Now I'm going to tell you the struggle on my part. Galatians 6, 9, tell, let us not be weary and well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So the first reason is that most people have a tendency to grow weary and well-doing. As people have a tendency to grow weary and well-doing over a period of time, how are we going to get back into doing correctly again? Why do they have a tendency to grow weary? And I, I've said it more times than the last year, man, I'm getting weary and well-doing. But the Bible said, just be patient. Because it is hard to discipline those who need discipline. Many times it takes literal words, and many preachers take this literally, like, oh, I'm going to call you to the office and want more. Don't be afraid of preachers. My Lord, that's the one person you shouldn't be afraid of except respect for. Because we are warned, I'm warned, that the people or the preachers are the ones that's going to take on the Nicolaitan spirit. I'm the one that's got to watch the Nicolaitan spirit. I have been warned in this hour that if I'm not careful, a religious demon will get on me. And cause me to think highly of my office than it really is. Want more respect than I deserve. Or cause the people to be in obedience that is not required. Until I become a Nicolaitan, and God said in Revelation what, 1 and 6, He hates the deeds of the Nicolaitan, which was preachers. The people are only innocent bystanders in this whole plan. They will quote to you, and I've heard it quoted in the last few weeks, Stay with your pastor. Man, that sounds wonderful. But what if he's a hypocrite? What if he's this and what if he's that? Do you stay with him? 
But why did Brother Branham say, stay with your pastor? And he also said, oh, I believe he's the supreme authority of the local assembly. That's in Hebrews. What? Let each church have his own pastor. Let each church have his own deacon. So on and so forth. What, what does he mean, supreme authority? He's trying to keep the ministry away from Nicolaitism. He's trying to tell you that the local assembly is responsible for what goes on here and nowhere else. And nowhere else, nowhere has any responsibility going on right here. What I'm telling you is the thing going on in churches that we have nothing to do with. We have no opinion coming. We let that assembly take care of their problems. Now, we may have to adjust our decisions with the people in the church. But we have no decision of what the people does in their church. Stay away from it. Watch. Now, only the revealed word unveiled to us is the word of correction. If that word is misinterpreted, we are miscorrected and you'll come under legalism. If the correction by true doctrine is not there in that assembly, then the fellowship will fall. I've told you this for 40-something years. And I get criticized for it over and over and over by staying with the word. Watch that. It's not watch the people, not watch the individuals, how nice they are. Watch their teaching because the teaching is going to cause and have an effect. And it will cause the people to do certain, certain things. Paul said, pray for us. Why? Because it is absolutely hard to rebuke the people that sits in front of you for 30 or 40 years or every week coming to the church looking for consolation, the word of God, comfort, and encouragement. Second Timothy said, preach the word of God, be instant in season, out of season. Rebuke with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they shall not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts and desires shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. But watch thou in all things endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of thy ministry. Who's he talking to? Me. Here the end result of not taking correction by the revealed word of God is what? You end up turning to some fable. You end up satisfied with a good story, sermon, with a little moral behind it. You don't hear any teaching like this anywhere. Why? Because it's dry, boring, and people don't want to hear it. I understand that. But a story, no matter how much I can be like T.D. Jakes and preach you a story of of singing and get all emotional and find a little moral behind it, will not help you in the rapture one iota. I'm trying to tell you that God is not this emotional fairy tale whatever more out here. He is Word. He is straight Word. He doesn't add to it. He doesn't take away. He's just Word. Well, I like so-and-so, and I like so-and-so. We all like it. That's what's wrong with us now. Is we like things that's not in the Word. There's a law laid down here that says that a person that can't take correction by the message of the hour will run somewhere else 
are and believe a fable. I run down so-and-so's church. They got this and they got that. I feel real good down there. But are they teaching you true doctrine? Well, that Brother Gregory's personality, this absolutely stinks. But is he teaching you the word? Well, Brother so-and-so, so nice and so sweet. Man, he just, oh, I just got a wonderful spirit. Watch him. I've told you that for 40 years. You've always <laughs> said, oh, Brother Gregory. No, no, watch him. I am responsible to tell you, watch him. I'm telling you to watch me. I'm telling my wife she's responsible to watch me. Keep your eye on me and pray that I never leave the word of God. Verse 5, what did it say? They shall endure afflictions. (laughs) What are afflictions? Afflictions is those things that you receive when you try to discipline the people by the word. Boy, that good spirit. Let's make sure we let's sing that chorus again at the end of it. You know, the choir put the mics back up here. We got enough time early. We'll sing that good, wonderful song. In about five minutes, we'll forget all this, and I'll feel good and feel happy, and you will too. And this will be a good Christmas thing. We'll give the kiddies the candies and water more, and we can forget all about all this. If something happens to me and I don't come back next week, you remember that I stood here and told you. For 40 years, watch the doctrine. Watch the teaching. Don't get impressed with a man's personality, his spirit, or anything else. What is he telling you? Reprove, rebuke, then exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Give them the word they ought to live by. And the word will not let the people do what they want to do. Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught. That he may be able by sound doctrine. Both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly and vain talkers and deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole houses, teaching things that they ought not for filthy lucre's sake. One of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Christians are always liars, evil beasts, and slow bellies. This witness is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. And we'll close on this right here. So if if you want to get ready, we'll do this. Usually the only way to get a man out of the twilight zone. And I have to be guilty and I ask God to forgive me that I let some in here sit. And I watch you slowly drift off into oblivion. Without rebuking you or sharply bringing your attention to it. I fail my responsibility. Of not calling you aside and saying look brother. There's a spirit working with you that's going to take you completely out if you don't correct yourself. But after so many years of teaching the Word of God and watch them walk away, 
walk away, walk away in their minds and their hearts. It's a whole lot easier just to let them go. But the responsibility is rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. People say, well, that's not love. If I would rebuke you for something, rebuke means to point out something that you're doing wrong. I know by my own personal nature, it would make my blood pressure come up. My face would turn a little red, and I'd have to check my emotions real quick. Or I would call what they call temper would rise up. But I call mine holy righteousness or indignation. No, it's just absolutely anger, temper. Nobody likes to be corrected. Is that right? Say amen. amen. Especially me. I take it personally. We're talking about us today. I've never seen a preacher that likes or takes correction. And I always pray, Lord, can I take correction? And I made it my purpose. I do not have a message. I do not have a motive of my own. I do not have a private revelation. I've got a message that's been recorded, put in print. I've got a teacher approved by God, by thus saith the Lord, to teach the hard doctrines. I guide my thoughts by that, and that's what I teach, and that's what I preach. Oh, you say what so-and-so said. I say what Paul said, that Brother Branham said, that Lee Vale said, that the Word of God said, that this one said. And every preacher that preaches the truth has to say the same thing because there's only one interpretation of the Word. I don't care who said it. When I say it, it's mine. Because when it comes out of my mouth, I'm responsible for your soul. And when you sit in the presence of this congregation, you're saying, I'm bringing my soul before you for help, for you to teach, nurture, train, exhort, rebuke, that I can be a part of the rapture. I asked myself, the wife, the question this morning. I wonder if God just puts things in here for me to do to get hung out to dry by the people. Let's just look at it. You pay me a salary. I ain't seen a preacher or anybody else don't like their salary. Except they want more. So I'm going to come in and I'm going to whip this one out. And I'm going to cut that one. And oh, that family don't wear Boy, they give a lot of money. In there, but their kids are absolutely renegades. But if I straighten out their kids, guess what mom and dad is? I'm not paying no tithes. What preacher who you talked about? Huh, so I think, man, that's going to cost me $100 a week if I do that. Praise God. Let's see if I can put it another way. Well, I know a family down there whose kids were so-and-so. Hoping that they get the, get the problem. So a man is sure not going to cut his throat for his own cutting throat. He's not going to rebuke because he likes to. If he does, there's something wrong with him. And furthermore, to bring the sermon to a close this morning so we can have a good chorus. If you're called to preach, you don't want to do it. And preachers hate to reprove the people. I have not seen a five-fold ministry that I thought was true 
Call fivefold ministry that loves rebuking the people. I've never seen one truly called that really wants to do it in the first place. And the prophet said, you show me a man that wants to do it or thinks he can do it. He's not called to start with. And when I heard that, I was greatly relieved because I battled for years and years and years whether I was called or not. Because of the revelation and the teaching and understanding of the word of God. Rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. You mean to tell me that a rebuke will sharpen my faith? <laughs> Absolutely. You said, well, it don't make so-and-so mad. I found down in the boot hill, and this has nothing to do with you precious sweet saints here this morning. <laughs> to be honest, you hadn't given me any problems outside of normal. But some of you can remember my future down in the boot hill. Every Sunday morning I had to meet the Pentecostal hens out in the front. Squabble, 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 fight, fight, fight. Brother Greg, brother Greg, brother Greg. And I, I said, you know what? It would be better to preach on love every Sunday so they can be settled down. And it is to try to straighten them up by doctrine. I think five of them was women preachers and the other three thought they was. So that was the trouble right there. They just get mad. But I'll put it like this. If you're rebuked sharply by the word of God. If you are born again. You'll take it. And straighten up by the word of God. And be more sound in the faith for it. If the word tells you. See if I tell you. If the word tells you to repent. Repent. If the word tells you to go make it right with someone. You're going to make it right with someone. If the Word of God tells you to pray for your neighbor, pray for your neighbor. If the Word of God says don't do that, don't do that. Follow the Word of God. Pray for the pastors. I'm asking you at 80 years of age, and I will be almost 80 by the time I come back. I need your prayer now more than any time in my life. Because until I got 78, I thought I could do it myself. But I've come to the realization that there's no mortal, no man, and I'll cut it short. I've got more. You can read the notes. There's no mortal, no man. You cannot study enough. You cannot pray enough. You cannot know enough quotes, and you cannot pray enough tapes to get into a condition where I think that I can take care of your soul. I'm responsible to teach you the Word of God and true doctrine, the best that God will allow me to understand it to the level of my capacity. And I believe if I do that and faithful to what he shows me, it will be sufficient for you and for me to be a part of the rapture of this hour. Because what we don't know, and if we need to know, God is responsible to give me what I need to know. How many believes that? Let's stand this morning. Musicians come. If you set up the mics, I like that course real well. How many like this course this morning? Yeah, I liked it. I could get along with that real good. That's a big, I, hope, I hope you're not disappointed this morning that I preached this way. Because many, some of you know of the problems in the area. And I'm not preaching against the problem of the area. I'm just preaching to basically 
protect myself, to remind myself, and to remind all of us that we have a responsibility to each other. Now, I'm praying for churches near us that has problems, that they'll work their problems out. And you pray for that assembly. Most of you know what I'm talking about. You pray for the pastors. You pray for the ministry. That the ministry will pray for you. You say, why should I pray for the fivefold ministry? Because they are required and necessary for the perfection of the saints. They are responsible. The needs in the local assemblies is the responsibility of the pastors. And I'm one of them, and I feel that weight more every day. So God bless you. I have a little thought in there on Christmas. I say Merry Christmas. Understanding what that is, it's kind of hard to say a lot of times. But we don't want to discourage the children this morning. It's your responsibility to teach them at home those things. What you do is all right. But it is a time of rejoicing, and basically we celebrate what we call the birth of the Christ child, and on and on we go. But have a wonderful holidays, visit with your families, but remember this, pray for us. Pray for us that we will stay on the Word of God and feed your souls the life that is necessary for the body change. You want to sing that song? Are we on, or what are we doing this morning? Amen. How many enjoys the message or the services this morning? Amen. Let's make the congregation welcome in Canada. Amen. I, w- I want you to make our visitors welcome this morning. If you're ready, you can start.